so mission is a very big part of New Life, uh, has been since the beginning, and I'm really, really honored and, and, and thrilled that you guys are, and girls are all heading over to Myanmar. I've never been to Myanmar, so you all will be in one country that I haven't been into. Obviously, I've, I've been to China before, and you all will be in China as well as Myanmar. The China part will be very short, and you won't really probably get to do much there, but um, there is a, probably a Burger King in the airport in Shanghai. <laughs> Just a little heads up. You got to know the important stuff, right? Okay, so anyway, we are in the middle of this series called The Mountain Monologues, which is based on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we're finishing up chapter 6 today. And Jesus talked about something that's a very big issue in 21st century America, anxiety. In fact, let's define anxiety. Dictionary.com says anxiety is distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. He felt anxiety about the possible loss of his job. It's a bit ironic that we live in one of the um, wealthiest nations on the planet, and yet many are plagued by anxiety. Uh, I went to the website anxiety.org, and I found that in 2010, 20% of Americans were taking some type of anxiety-relieving medication. I took their quiz, do I have anxiety, and found out I don't, which I guess one less thing to worry about, right? So anyway... We see in Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34, that anxiety and worry are not new. Jesus addressed them. He related them to the comments that he made about seeking treasure or building up treasure in heaven, as well as putting God first in our lives. So before we turn to Matthew chapter 6, let's look at the take-home point. Again, if you're new to us, the take-home point is the one point we're going to take from Scripture, and we're going to sort of put it out there, and we're going to apply it, hopefully, in our lives. In this case, we're going to want to do the opposite of what it says, because the take-home point is anxiety robs us of God's promises to us. Anxiety robs us of God's promises to us. Anxiety robs us of many things, but the main thing that anxiety takes away is our ability to enjoy the present moment. If we're anxious, we're usually anxious about something that's going to happen or something that already happened. And so I would put it this way. Anxiety leads us to the what-ifs and the if-onlys. What-ifs are worries about the future. What if I lose my job? What if the economy tanks? What if my children don't grow up to be what I want them to be? What if, what if, what if, what if? If-onlys are about the past. If only I hadn't married that woman. If only I had married that woman. If only I hadn't said that thing. If only I had said the right thing. And the reality is, the what-ifs and the if-onlys keep our minds agitated and focused on anything but God's promises in the present. God has multitudes of promises for us. When we turn to the Bible, to the Word of God, we find principles and promises. A principle, for example, is train up your children in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. That's a principle. It's not a promise. But we're going to look at one of the most amazing promises of God ever. And the promise is, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, it's if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, everything you need will be added to you. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And when we worry, when we're anxious, we are robbed of God's promises in our present moment. So that's what Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Before we turn there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that worry and anxiety don't need to be part of our experience at all if we put you first. God, we pray today that your Holy Spirit would fill us, would empower us to hear your truth and to live it out in our everyday lives, in the practical troubles we experience, and in the, in the 
possibilities that we are worrying about right now that may or may not ever even happen. God, we pray that you'll keep us in your present. And we ask that you will use this present to bring glory and honor to yourself and to deepen our love for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. If you have your Mountain Monologue study guide, it's page 33. Jesus said this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, if we're going to understand this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, what we need to do is we need to go back to last week's portion, which Pastor Brad taught us about. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, there is one big message, but we've divided it up into 20 smaller pieces so that we can go through it from week to week. But if we're going to understand this part, we need to understand last week's part, because last week what Jesus told us about was how important it is to store up our treasure in heaven but not to store it up on earth. Our culture tells us that happiness and success and status and more, of the, more, than, more than all of that are all bound up by storing up things here on earth. In fact, back in the 1990s, there was a bumper sticker. You know how everybody tries to sum up life with a bumper sticker, right? And the bumper sticker said this, the one who dies with the most toys wins. Now, some people turn life into a competition, and according to the bumper sticker that we just heard, the, the purpose of the competition is to get the most toys or the most houses or the most cars or the most money, the most something, because if we do that, then we'll be secure. If we do that, then we'll be safe. If we do that, then we win. But somebody did what somebody always does when they hear a bumper sticker theme for life. They think it all the way through. And they said, let's think about that. The one who dies with the most toys still dies. The one who dies with the most toys still dies. So that's what Jesus told us nearly 2,000 years ago. He put it this way, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now Jesus didn't tell us, do not store up treasure. He just said, don't store it in the place where it will rot, where it will rust where somebody can take it away from you. Don't put your treasure in a place that's temporary. Rather, put your treasure in heaven. And Pastor Brad reminded us last week that the way we store up treasure in heaven is by investing some of our material things in that which will cause people who are the treasure of heaven to have the opportunity to hear the good news and to end up ultimately in heaven. 
Now Jesus concluded his comments about investing in heavenly things by saying this, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Pastor Brad helped us understand why it's so important for us to devote ourselves to God rather than money. Now, I remind us of those words because in today's scripture, Jesus said, therefore, three times. Three times. And the therefore refers back to this whole thing about storing up treasure in heaven and putting God before anything else in our lives. So Jesus said, I just read it a minute ago, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And I've said this many times over the years, but anytime we come across the word therefore, we need to stop and consider what it's there for. Why did Jesus say therefore? He used the word three times because he wanted us to remember that the treasure of heaven gives us security and trusting God is our master gives us security and no earthly thing can. And so... Let's look one more time as we think about this anxiety robbing us of God's promises in the present. If you're thinking today, what if I lose my job? What if I don't get that raise? What if I can't pay the mortgage or the rent this month? What are you you worrying about? You're worrying about provision, right? We worry about provision sometimes. And Jesus told us back at the beginning of Matthew 6, when he gave us what we call the Lord's Prayer, he said this. Here's what we're supposed to pray about when it comes to provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, why would Jesus say, give us this day our daily bread, instead of give us everything we'll need for the rest of our lives? I mean, if we prayed, give us everything we need for the rest of our lives, we never have to pray again, right? Why would Jesus want us to pray every single day, give us this day, our daily bread. Because Jesus wanted us to remember that our Heavenly Father loves us. He cares about us. And He's going to provide for what we need today. And then He'll provide what we need tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But we trust Him when we ask Him every day, each day, to provide what we need in our lives. And then as we think about it, let's look one more time at this statement. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Jesus says, don't be anxious about food or drink or clothing. Why? Well, he gives us an illustration from nature. It's a beautiful illustration. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, every time I read those words, look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, I think, no, he doesn't. We do. We have five bird feeders in our backyard. (laughs) Not one, not two, but five. My wife loves birds. We feed the birds. Winter, spring, summer, fall. We never stop feeding the birds. Now, here's the thing, though. Sometimes we forget to feed the birds, and the bird feeders get empty. Now, suppose two birds fly up to the bird feeder and it's empty. Do you think the bird feeder thinks, whoa, I wonder if I'm going to ever get to eat again. I wonder if the thistle feed um, crop is bad this year and maybe I'm going to starve. I wonder, I, I wonder, it sounds ludicrous because birds don't worry. Birds don't think about whether Chris and Nancy and Yukina and whoever feeds the birds They don't think about that. They just show up at the bird feeder, and if there's food, they eat. And if there's not, they go to the flowers, and they go to the trees, they go other places, and they eat. The birds find something to eat, 
God provides it. They don't work for it. They don't have to think about it. And the interesting thing is, when Jesus concludes this part of the thing, he says, are you not of more value than they? The obvious answer to the question is, of course you're more valuable than they are, because I'm here. Jesus came because we're so valuable that he came into the world to live a perfect life that we could never live and to die on the cross. The penalty that we owed was death, and Jesus took the penalty. He rose from the dead because of his great love for us. You know, Jesus doesn't just care for us as he cares for the birds. He cares for us a whole lot more than he cares for the birds. And Jesus promised us an abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, we read these words, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief is the devil. The devil wants to steal our lives. He wants to steal the joy of our lives and everything he can from us. He actually wants to kill us physically, spiritually, in every way. He wants to destroy us. But Jesus cares about us too much for that to be the final word in our lives. The devil wants us to mire ourselves in the what-ifs and the if-onlys, but Jesus overcame the devil on the cross. So abundant life comes when we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord, when we live as his disciples. Jesus closed out his illustration about the birds by asking another question. He says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It's really interesting in the 21st century, you know, the doctors and the psychologists and the psychiatrists, they've done all kinds of studies about anxiety. And you know what they've demonstrated by all of those studies? Worry and anxiety is bad for you. You know, you can get high blood pressure. You can get a heart attack. You can have all these issues from anxiety. And I, I picture Jesus turning to his heavenly father whenever, you know, he reads the latest news about anxiety. He goes, duh. You know, I mean, 2,000 years ago, I said that. And Jesus offers us another example from nature about why we don't need to be anxious about provision for our lives or make money or possessions our masters. He says this, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field and which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now remember, Jesus' listeners were not 21st century Americans who have basically everything that we need. And I know not all of us do, but many of us do. He was talking to first century Jews who had to cultivate the ground in order to grow the crops and to feed their animals, and they had to make all of their own clothes. And yet Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. And my brother Jim, who passed away a few years ago, he loved flowers. In fact, he cultivated lilies, the very thing we're talking about today. He had dozens of varieties of them in his backyard in Portland, Oregon. And one year he sent about 19 varieties, the bulbs, home to Pennsylvania to Nancy, who also loves flowers, I think even more than she loves birds. And she planted all of those bulbs. And so now if you came to my house today, what you would see is dozens, well, it's only like 14 varieties of lilies blooming. And I'll tell you something, it's far more beautiful than any human being dressed up however you dress us up. And Jesus said, listen, if God made the flowers that beautiful, and they're blooming today, but what are we going to do with them tomorrow? We're going to cut them down, put them in the fire. So if that's how God treats the flowers, what about us? And actually, he ends up this one by saying, oh, you, why do you have so little faith? God created us to 
love Him, to glorify Him, to enjoy Him, to enjoy His creation. Sin came into the world, we brought it, and we ended the perspective that we had of everything being wonderful and and perfect in God. But God never stopped thinking about us. God never stopped loving us. God never stopped providing for us. God still is there for us in everything in our lives. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, put him first. That's all you have to do. In fact, he summed up his whole message about what matters by saying this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The order of priority in our lives is God first and everything else second. If God is first, everything else will come into its proper order. So if we seek God's kingdom first, his righteousness first, all the things that we need, the food, the clothing, the shelter, the provision will be provided. Last week, Pastor Brad said something very powerful. He said, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. And Søren Kierkegaard, a Danish philosopher, said this about seeking the kingdom of God. He said, if you don't seek first the kingdom of God, you won't seek the kingdom of God. You see, as soon as God is not first in our life, whatever else is is going to overcome our desire to follow him. For most of my adult life, I have leaned hard into seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Have I done it perfectly? Of course not. There's still no T at the end of my name. It's still just Chris. It's always going to be just Chris. But Nancy and I have sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness for our lives and for our family's lives. And he has provided all that we've needed. Now, sometimes what we needed was a lot less than what we wanted. You know, I don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying here, but, you know, sometimes what I wanted was a Whopper from Burger King and what I got was a Yak Burger up in the top of the world in Tibet. And I found out real quick why they're called Yak Burgers. So... The point is, sometimes we want certain things, but God promises us if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll give us everything we need. And he added some therefores. He said, therefore, don't worry about, you know, your food or clothing. Therefore, don't be like those unbelievers who um, that don't follow. And this is the thing. The final therefore is this. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's a very powerful two points of perspective. He says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he says don't be anxious. So we don't have to be anxious for our food, our clothing. We don't have to be anxious by the non-believers are. And I actually skipped over that part. You know, the second thing Jesus said, the second therefore was, therefore don't be like the Gentiles. What do they do? They worry. We don't have to worry. If we're, not, if we're not non-believers, if we're believers, we don't have to worry. And so Jesus says here, you don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be anxious about tomorrow. Let tomorrow be anxious for itself. And then he said something powerful. He said, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen to that. You see, because I'm the lead pastor of New Life, I not only get to live out my own trouble, but I get to sort of be part of your trouble as well. When you have big, serious troubles, you call me. Or, or you call one of the other pastors, or you call in a Stephen minister, or you call in a small group leader, and it's a very big privilege that I have had the opportunity to, to live with you in the midst of your troubles. But the reality is everyone, everyone has troubles. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that if you get married, you will have trouble in this life. Now, yes, that's true. Uh, and the thing that he didn't write was, if you don't get married, you will still have trouble in this life. 
because we're going to have troubles in this life. We, what he, he wants us to understand, and I'm, I want you to see this up on the screen. Many see Jesus' promise that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that God will provide all we need to mean this. Life will always be good, and we will always be prosperous materially. That's what, that's what people think. It's a very strange way of thinking when you realize the one who spoke these words died on a cross to pay the penalty for human sin. When 11 of the 12 apostles um, were martyred because they told the truth about Jesus, this very same truth that we're talking about today, we must never unlink Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 from verse 34. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added to you. And what does he say? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. One of the things I love most about Jesus is how honest he always is. That's what makes him God, you know, is that he always told us the truth. And what he said is we don't need to be anxious about anything, nothing, nothing about what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, nothing about our life do we need to worry about if, if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We don't have to worry about the what ifs and the if onlys in our lives. But what we do know is this. We will have troubles. We will. We're going to have pain in our life. We're going to suffer in our life. We're going to have diseases in our life. And we're all going to die one day unless Jesus comes back. You know, I always thought I'd like to live to be 102 and then I want Jesus to come back. I don't want to die. And the reason I don't want to die is I've watched people die. It's never fun to watch people die. It's never fun to lose the people that we love. It, it isn't. It's never fun to watch people suffer through diseases. But we live in a fallen world, and that's why there is suffering. That's why there's trouble in this life. That's why Jesus didn't tell us that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything's just going to be copacetic for the rest of our lives. It won't always be that way. We will have trouble. But if we seek first the kingdom of God, he'll be there in the midst of it. Now, here's the coolest thing about the trouble we experience as Jesus' followers. Sometimes he provides miracles. I'm going to share. This is a tiny little miracle, just tiny, because I uh, got $200 out of the bank to take with me to Cambodia. And then I went and bought some supplies for Cambodia that cost $26. But right now I have $1,162 to take with me to Cambodia. How is that possible? Because people just keep coming up to me this morning saying, here, you're going to need this in Cambodia. You're going to need this in Cambodia. You're going to need this in Cambodia. So $200 multiplied to $1,162. Now, one person said, that's not to buy Whoppers, you know. And I said, I know. And I said, it'll be for something. He said, it'll be for something you need in Cambodia. It will. There will be a need, and we'll be able to meet it. because, And it will be a miracle to the people that we're able to meet their need because of that. We have seen people healed of various diseases and cancer over the course of New Life's ministry. We've seen people on their literal deathbed get up and go about their life for another 10, 20, 30 years. That has happened in my lifetime as a follower of Jesus Christ. But what also happens is sometimes he gives us strength to endure the trouble that we face. I know what many of you who are going on the mission trip to Myanmar don't know yet. That trip from New York to Shanghai is no fun. It's no fun. I mean, unless you sleep the whole way, and I pray that you do, but unless you sleep the whole way, um, it's not going to be fun. I've made that trip from here across the ocean 12 times, which means each way 24 times. It'll be my 25th time today. And I can't sleep on an airplane. So it's no fun. 
And the food, it's not good. I'll just put that. I learned the last two trips over, I just fast. I don't eat anything on the airplane uh, because it's the same meal. Maybe you're not flying China Southern, and I'm not trying to diss any company because I've flown on Delta, American, all of them. The food is from the same place, and it's not good. Um, so, so anyway, whatever, whatever is going to happen for me from 11 o'clock tonight until we land, and for us it's Chengdu, China, uh, sometime, I don't even know when. I know it's 15 hours later. It's not going to be a fun trip. Um, but God will be with me in that. And usually I get a headache to go with it. So I usually wake up. Uh, I wake up. Huh? I get on the plane, and if I can sleep for an hour, then I wake up with a headache, and it lasts for the next 14. Don't feel bad for me because that's just part of life. If you're going to do something significant and meaningful, sometimes you're going to have to wade through some tough stuff before you get there. And then once we get there, oh, by the way, once we get there, then it's going to be hotter than it's been here and more humid, and it's going to rain every afternoon, and it'll cool it down for like five minutes, and then it gets hotter than whatever. It can't be hell because there's humidity. I don't think there's humidity in hell. But anyway, um, that's the way life works for those who love Jesus. Because when you love Jesus, we do those kind of things, and he meets all of our needs, whatever they might be, as we go about and go through the process. So the victory from Sin and death, the victory over death, all of those things are in the distance for us. And all of us are going to experience eternal life with Jesus. In the meantime, he promises us, if we seek him first, we seek his kingdom first, we don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. We don't have to have anxiety, the what-ifs or the if-onlys, because he's going to take care of it. And in the midst of trouble, he will be with us. So here's today's next step. I will trust God for all I need this week. I will trust God. For all I need this week. When we seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, which means when we trust him for all we need, he always promises that he will provide. That's one of his many promises to us. And so we get to, if we wake up tomorrow, we get to choose. Am I going to live into the promise that if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything I need will be provided? Or am I going to wake up and live in what if and if only? What if, what if, what if, if only, if only, if only. My experience is that if I do the what if that's not that fun, <laughs> flying, what if I fly 15 hours across the ocean? God is going to do some amazing things. If I had never done that, I would have never been able to speak to a thousand Christians, a thousand Muslims, and 2,000 Buddhists the truth of Jesus last year. I got to do that. I would have never gotten to see hundreds of children trust Jesus as their Savior and Lord, as we did a few trips ago. I would have never been able to experience one Chinese woman who the first time I ever met her and told her about Jesus, she accepted Jesus as her Savior and Lord. None of those things would have happened if I had said, well, what if the plane crashes? What if the food is so bad that I get sick? What if it's so hot that I pass out? Um, and all of those things have happened to me except for the plane crashing so far. If you say that, you'll never do anything. But if you, if you will just step into trust in Jesus, life is so much fuller, so much better than it could ever be any other way. And it all starts with one simple thing, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much that when we Seek first your kingdom and your righteousness that everything we need will be provided in our lives. 
God, I thank you today for the truth of that statement. And I thank you for being with us in the troubles that we will face. And every day has enough trouble, God. So we pray for today's trouble, that you will meet us in our needs. If our, if our need is physical healing, we pray for healing. If our need is uh, simply comfort as we travel, then we pray for that. If our need today is for money for a, a, a rent or mortgage payment, we pray for that. And God, we know that as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that you will be with us. We pray that you will indeed fill us with your Holy Spirit so we can love you enough to trust you enough to obey you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.